Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello and welcome to a Christmas episode of Talking New Energy. My guest and I will be talking about what new energy presents we'd like to see under the Christmas tree, uh, a look back at 2020 and a look forward to 2021. I'm joined by two of my Delta EE colleagues, um, Charmaine Coutinho and Lindsay Sugden. Hi, Charmaine. Hi, John. And hi, Lindsay. Hi, John. So uh, I've asked both of you uh, to think about highlights of 2020, and I've got my own highlight as well. Um, Charmaine, let's go first with your highlight of 2020. Looking back at new energy in 2020, what would you pick out? Yeah, so um, I think mine is really around the avalanche of decarbonisation as a, I suppose, a mainstream theme. And this is really prompted by some work we did with uh, Alpeak, which is a European energy company. And we were thinking around a thought leadership white paper and looking at the three Ds, so decarbonisation, digitalisation and decentralisation. And through that conversation, what was really clear is actually 2020 has really been around decarbonisation as a huge, huge mainstreamed theme that it's almost, it's just accepted now. Um, And digitalisation has been on that journey for a while. And I think decentralisation has lots of other things um, underneath it that need to be unpicked. But decarbonisation as a big overarching theme for, in that case, commercial and industrial customers, but more generally um, for everyone. So I think that, yeah. that's definitely been my highlight. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of my candidates was Shell declaring their net zero ambitions by 2050. And mm. if a company like Shell can uh, become a net zero company and commit to being on that pathway, then... As you say, I think we really, I don't know whether tipping points too strong or not, but decarbonisation has been a, a great, uh, a great yeah. highlight of the last year. I, I felt the same. I think one of my other candidates was going to be the, the BP energy strategy, and not because it was in a nicely formatted 10 point plan type um, thing uh, as well. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I think if Shell and BP are, are there, then um, then it, it must be at some form of point that tips over. Well, let, let's call it a tipping point then, uh, a net zero tipping point. Lindsay, how about you? What about your highlight, new energy highlight of 2020? Yeah, um, I think my highlight for 2020 was the, and it was Enico in so Dutch utilities uh, comfort as a service proposition. It was actually launched in late 2019, um, but it was first made public and. Uh, it really kind of started to to get going in 2020. Um, and this is really the first true comfort as a service proposition uh, that we've seen where the supplier takes essentially all of the risk and the customer pays a fixed fee. Um, they do lots of cool things like heat pump and PV optimization. It's possible for the buildings to be net zero because the PV supplies all of the heat pump electricity. And so I thought that was a really exciting uh, proposition. And is that um, how's that going? Is it uh, you mentioned it sort of launched right at the end of 2019, started to be um, put together in 2020 or rolled out in 2020? Um, yeah. Are we likely yeah. to see a wave of that in the next year? Is it still early days? 
Yeah, so they're trialing now with about 60 houses, I think, um, and there's uh, there's aims to, to roll this out more widely. Um, but, you know, as Eneco aside, there is a huge number of companies coming out with heat as a service type propositions. Most of them, uh, the companies, the suppliers are not taking on as much risk as in, in this case, but this, uh, you know, heat as a service and related service-based uh, propositions for heat are are uh, are really coming out in in uh, huge numbers now, um, so yeah, I think it's, I think that's it's really exciting because we're um, risk involves managing the risk and there's more and more um, Internet of Things sensors, connected devices to help manage the risk. But the only way yeah. to really manage it is to learn by doing, which is exactly what Enico is doing. Yeah, exactly. So it's very exciting. Um, yeah. Well. My highlight of the last year, um, I had a, a few candidates, but I've gone with uh, the investment by Origin, an Australian energy company in Octopus, a uh, London-based energy and energy software company, which valued Octopus, a startup, at over a billion pounds. So a rare thing, a unicorn uh, valuation in new energy. So um, congratulations to Octopus. And Octopus have got over a million customers in the UK. They're active in the German market and they're licensing their software to other energy retailers uh, around around Europe. So I thought that was particularly exciting and a, a good success story and hopefully attracting more investment into the into the space. Yeah, that's it was really interesting to see a, a new supplier emerging. Um, do you see that development? development kick-starting change in some of the other more incumbent uh, suppliers do you think? Uh, yeah it's a good question so so yeah I, I do see kick-starting activity Lindsay I think both from companies like Eon in the UK using Octopus's software um, others like Tibber uh, a Nordic energy um, retailer and energy software company raising money successfully so uh, whether we see more unicorns or not I don't know but I think certainly see a lot more activity like the uh, like uh, octopus are demonstrating yeah yeah I think it's really important actually because you can get unicorn status on something that probably a lot of people think is really simple just billing and managing your customers but I think being on that side is so hard hard to do successfully um, so I really empathize with energy retailers when they get bad press around CRMs um, so I think it's it's quite an amazing um, overlap of both the something relatively simple that's actually very complex and it getting to a unicorn status so yeah it's a good one John. Um, right that's our highlights now for the next uh, part let's see what each of us would like uh, as a new energy present under the Christmas tree so uh, I did want to get Mariah Carey as uh, music all I want for Christmas is and then some clever uh, new energy thing to follow that unfortunately we can't quite afford the royalty to use Mariah Carey's music yet and uh, I don't want to inflict my singing, Charmaine, your singing, or Lindsay's, probably <laughs> the best of the singing amongst three of us, onto listeners. So just have to imagine Mariah Carey's music in the background. All I want for Christmas is, and let's see what each of us would like under the Christmas tree uh, for the energy transition. 
Charmaine, let's start with you. Um, well, it's one of my favourite songs, and now I'm thinking all I want for Christmas is a Mariah Carey branded NG retailer. But um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think for me, and this is not related to the highlight of the year, really, um, but we have, I think for me, it's really about seeing networks, which is um, a bit of the energy system that we talk about um, quite a lot, but I think is starting to, it's a bit, maybe a bit um, lagging behind maybe on their new energy journeys in some way, um, and really getting them to see how they can really put the end user um, front and centre. So I think a lot of conversations have, have kind of improved and they're thinking much more about customers. But quite often when you talk to networks, when they talk about customers, they're talking about the people who connect to their grid not homes and businesses um, right at the end. And that's, you know, that's not for all of them, but I'd love to see more of that um, uh, happening where the customer is really front, front and uh, centre of thinking. It's an interesting one, Charmaine, because on the, they're all about the customer without the customer. They're, uh, they don't mean anything, but they don't have those direct relationships with the customers. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's hard. So, really hard. Yeah, it's, uh, I can understand why it's hard, but uh, it would be a great present to have. Yeah, I mean, it's just even when I get through stuff through my door talking about what my local um, network operator is doing, I think to myself, yeah, they're trying, they're really trying and they're mm. making that kind of one or two step connection. Um, but that's what I'd love to see. Anything okay. Well, maybe Santa will deliver that for you all nice and wrapped up. Charmaine, uh, on Christmas morning. Um, Lindsay, how about you? What's What would you like to see under the, the Christmas tree? Yeah, I, I think it's, in a way, it's a bit related to, to what Charmaine said. It, it's related to having um, offerings where the customer is, is placed uh, front and centre. So referring back to, to Enico's um, example, which I mentioned earlier, so this comfort as a service offering is it is at the moment being uh, offered in new builds, uh, social housing. And what I'd really like to see is this type of offering, this kind of comfort as a service type offering being rolled out much more in, in existing buildings, um, which are the most challenging segment to, to decarbonize. Um, I really think this type of model or this, this group of service-based heat models are the answer to or part of the answer, at least, to decarbonising heat in, uh, especially in existing buildings. Um, yeah, we've seen examples. There's a lot of uh, heat as a service with uh, heat pumps in in Denmark, for example, where where I'm based, which is already showing that, that this is possible. So, I would really like to see this uh, customer as a, uh, comfort as a service type model, where the company is taking all of the risk, and uh, yeah. Um, what, what are the chances, Lindsay, of uh, waking up on Christmas morning and seeing that under the tree, so to speak? Are we? Uh, <laughs> would you be absolutely gobsmacked or do you think, oh, I'm not that surprised? Mm, depends if I'm thinking half uh, glass half full or glass half empty. Um, but I think if I'm if I'm trying to be realistic, I think I would be surprised if companies would go as far as comfort as a service in existing buildings now i think in new buildings the demand is more predictable it's a bit easier for companies to take all the risk um but i think you know like where uh, offers like heat as a service um where they take a lot of risk but perhaps not um not every single risk i think there is uh, there's a huge growth in these kind of offerings so i think just a few more big companies jumping on that bandwagon i, I think i could imagine that um 
I, well, I think that will happen. Let's yeah. in Christmas spirit. Let's think glass half full rather than glass half empty. Yeah. Empty. <laughs> um. So from my side, what I'd like to see under the tree is more, in general, more customer centric thinking in the energy sector. Still far too many engineers, um, people get excited about the technology, myself included, and think about the energy system and flexibility and meeting peaks, but not putting the customer right at the center. And specifically, what I'd like to see is regulation built around what the customer actually needs. So comfort, as you were describing, Lindsay, or um, mobility, or uh, these sorts of things, rather than commodity, because fundamentally, we don't need commodity. We need the outcome. We need buildings at the right temperature or to be able to get from A to B. Yeah. So uh, I think that's, that's my one, regulation uh, built around the customer, not the kilowatt hour. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Lindsay. Sorry, Charmaine. No, I think that's a, that, that's a really good one um, because it's not technology solutions that are blocking um, decarbonisation. It's it's the customer journey. So mm. the customer needs to be front and centre. So I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, and I think the um, just having um, all those regulations being kind of long-term rather than short-term because general, going back to my earlier point, decarbonisation is a big, big old nut to crack. Um, and if we're just focusing on things short term, whether they're cost or whether they're um, particular technologies, I don't think that's really helpful um, for the next decade, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, now, we could start singing the three days of Christmas with our three presents that we've got under the tree, but I'm not going to make you do that. Or <laughs> listeners, I'm not going to make you listen to that. Um, so we've had um, more comfort as a service for existing homes under the tree, networks that really embrace their all of their customers, not just in the US, looking to connect to their networks, and uh, customer-centric thinking, particularly around regulation under the tree. Now, let's uh, bring out, as we always do, the Talking New Energy crystal ball. And in the, the Christmas-themed uh, keeping with the Christmas theme, set the dial to Christmas 2021, so just one year ahead. And I want to ask uh, Lindsay and Charmaine, you both, what would you think your highlight of 2021 will be at this time next year? So we're, we're now coming up to Christmas 2021, you're looking back at 2021, and you're on the podcast again. What would your highlights be of 2021? Uh, Charmaine, let's start with you. So I'm going to use three words for this one. And the first one is kind of, well, the first one's a phrase which combines two of them, but it's a kind of conflation on, of supply and generation, you know, probably around the meter, but not necessarily. Uh, and then I think the second word, which is something I was discussing with a colleague, is around optimization of both of those things for the energy provider, but also, you know, the energy consumer. But I think the kind of third point is really around that being happening happening at a local level. So local level, optimization of energy generation and consumption really and i think that spans through networks like i was talking about before but maybe like local energy systems microgrids or even within the home so there's so much in that that really i think is going to change next year so more and more in a way bottom-up optimization of the hmm, energy yeah. system rather than top down 
Yeah, it's quite a complex thing. I think, you know, as an end consumer, whether you're a business or a domestic homeowner, to really understand and kind of situate yourself within the whole whole energy system. But I definitely think you can see the signs of um, innovation and propositions around that um, coming to the market. So I think next year is the time for that. Well, maybe, Charmaine, that's where I can give you my customer-centric thinking present I got under the tree this year. <laughs> So that we've got a two-sided business model that on one hand does all the exciting techie energy system stuff uh, of optimizing and balancing, and on the other side, wraps up in a really simple and clear proposition for the customer. Perfect. Done, John. Done. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> but am I, am I getting far too excited and optimistic about what the year ahead holds? <laughs> oh, you know, that's not, that's, I think that's the whole plan, isn't it? To be optimistic, glass half full. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lindsay, what's uh, your highlight of 2021 going to be when you look in the crystal ball? Okay, um, keeping with the, the glass half full um, theme, I think I will be looking at there having been introduced minimum energy performance standards for existing buildings in, in some markets. Um, so as uh, mentioned in the, the European Commission's uh, renovation wave, which was uh, published recently, um, as being considered in, in some markets like Germany, um, this would make a really huge impact uh, on the, the decarbonisation of buildings. So, yeah, going with half glass full, uh, glass half full rather, um, that's that I'm going to look back next year and say, yeah, that's that's happened. And that's quite, if we think of carrots and stick, would you call that a carrot or a stick? Yeah, Sounds to me more of a stick. It's, it's it's more of a stick. I think this is kind of what what's been missing. There's been no no lack of of, of carrots, you know, incentives and great big ambitions about mm. you know hundreds of thousands of heat pumps being sold per year or net zero or you know there's no lack of of ambition, but there's not so many uh, sticks that are going to make it happen. So I think this in combination with carrots as well. Um, and uh, my daughter suggested perhaps adding a, a cucumber as well when I was discussing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that will help too. Have a, a variety of uh, of things available depending on your tastes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that we're already hearing discussion about that, and I think once one country shows what can be done, maybe maybe others will follow. Um, yeah. Um, Okay, so for me, 2021 highlight in a year's time, I think we'll see uh, the battle for the uh, selling electricity and related services to electric vehicle customers really hot up. So uh, we've already seen Ellie, the Volkswagen subsidiary, launch an electricity tariff and uh, services for charging cars in Germany. Uh, Tesla launch uh, electricity supply coupled with its batteries uh, in the UK. And I think we're going to get a lot more. Uh, we're going to see this battle between electricity retailers, um, Tesla, Volkswagen, other automotive companies, and other new entrants uh, really hot up because there's going to be a huge growth in the electric vehicle market. and. Um, there's a lot that these customers need. So that, that's my, what I expect to see next year. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, actually, John, because we've seen 
quite a bit of M&A around all the assets around EV charging this year. Mm. A bit of consolidation there. And I think when people are thinking about where the value lies within the wonderful, exciting, sexy world of EVs and EV charging, I think it's almost like it's slowly going from the car back to the energy retail proposition. Well, at least from our perspective, obviously we're not mm. automotive um, people, but um, yeah, that's a good one as well. It's a lot of yeah. lot of cash hours there. So even if you're just as yeah. still on the commodity model, those are the customers you really, really want as an electricity retailer. But I think you have to find out a reason why they should come to you. You know, yeah. I wonder, and not 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 thinking to to 2022, but whether this time next year we'll be saying the same thing about heat pumps. That's what I was about to. That's what I was about to oh, add. With, my, with my my heat hat on, I think it's the natural. And clearly EVs seem to have the, you know, the Head Start EV charging seems to be the the, the sexy topic at the moment. But I think, um, you know, I may be a, a decarbonisation of heat kind of um, fan, but I do think that's the next logical step. Um, heat pump uh, heat pump services alongside, the, the, we're already seeing companies doing both of those things, EV charging and, uh, mm. you know, services around heat pumps. So I, I think, um, yeah, definitely that'll be next year. Well, I had my, uh, I've got a smart meter, but unfortunately it doesn't communicate uh, yet. So I had an old fashioned meter reader come around. And then after that, my electricity retailer phoned me up and say, could you just double check this meeting? Because it seems, <laughs> this meter reading, because it seems quite high. And I said, yeah, that's because I've got a heat pump. And then, oh. that's <laughs> I'm suddenly a much more valuable customer for them, but they didn't know it. Yeah, yeah well, no. sounds like they need to get a better CRM system, John. I think they do, don't they, Charmaine? Which brings us back to one of our highlights of this year. Um, well, um, hope you get the we. Let's hope we all get the presents under the tree that we're we're wishing for. Uh, and time mm. will tell whether our predictions for the next year are right. Uh, but it's been a, a fun little look back at last year and a little look at the the year ahead. Thanks a lot, Lindsay and Charmaine, for joining me today. Yeah, and, thanks, John. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, and I hope you get to, to raise a glass, a full glass, not even a, a half full glass, a full glass to celebrate the, the holidays in whatever <laughs> form. We're able to celebrate them this year in the not too distant future. Thanks, as yeah. always, to listeners for, for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this slightly different um, podcast format. Wishing you all a, a great Christmas, however you're uh, spending it, in whatever form you're able to spend it with your, your friends and family. And looking forward to talking with you all again uh, in 2021. So happy Christmas and a happy new year to everyone and speak with you again in 2021. Goodbye. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcast and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.